0: Welcome to Policy Pod, the ORF podcast. The Ideas Factory is an exclusive series by ORF that delves into the big geopolitical events that affect India and the world. Hello and welcome to the Ideas Factory. I'm Nagma joining me is Professor Harsh Pant. Some of the main points that we would be analyzing on this episode the Ideas Factory are China and of course the development in Afghanistan, India stand on Afghanistan and is the Philippines actually going to see a change in leadership. So all that we will be looking at on this episode of the Ideas Factory. Let's begin with the aggression, uh, with the Chinese aggression vis-a-vis Taiwan which is not, a, not really a new thing Harsh but this time probably a record uh, flights, jets, uh, flew over Taiwan. Taiwan has registered a complaint. It has been protesting. But China, uh, if you look at why is China doing this, what, the timing, uh, the withdrawal that took place... Uh, you know, the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, does that kind of uh, strengthen China more? That's also something that one could be looking at. What is uh, What does it really mean? What is it uh, signaling, though this is not the first time? Also, I remember when the American uh, leadership change when Biden took office, even that time China had carried out regular flights over the international waters between southern part of Taiwan and the Taiwanese-controlled Pratas Island in the South China Sea. And now... Uh, this that again was probably sending a signal and testing what is Biden's attitude towards Taiwan. Right now, how do you see this increased aggression?
1: You know, thanks. Uh, it seems that um, uh, you know Chinese uh, on the on the question of Taiwan are certainly um, becoming more and more aggressive and pushing the envelope to a point where. Uh, perhaps it, it might become just impossible for the U.S. in particular to ignore the developments. Uh, and then they are testing how far they can go. So we have seen these record number of fighter jets flying, including nuclear bombers over, over Taiwan. We are looking at a gradual escalation in this. The numbers have increased gradually, you know, and they've been doing it now for a year mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and more than a year now. And and in fact, uh, as, as you mentioned, uh, when Biden administration had just come, uh, there was an escalation. And now we are again seeing an escalation, I think. Uh, that the larger fact that u.s china uh, competition is heightening is perhaps one of the reasons uh, why we are seeing this escalation because taiwan will be uh, if not already is the most important fault line in this relationship and uh, as the u.s uh, makes its intentions clear i think the idea that you know on the one hand uh, you had the afghanistan withdrawal from afghanistan but on the other, U.S. has been very keen to suggest that it is going to be in the Indo-Pacific and it is going to play a major role in the Indo-Pacific with its partners and allies, with the AUKUS deal or with the Quad Summit. I think there is, there is a restlessness there in Beijing as to what it all means. And therefore, on Taiwan in particular, they, they, they want to see what America's reactions are going to be. Uh, because we have now seen Taiwan being talked about more openly uh, by you know among like-minded countries in the region. Taiwan's relations are also becoming more and more uh, transparent with some of the regional countries uh, and in particular I think uh, quad talking about taiwan straits uh, is also something that one needs to keep an eye out for because for china uh, that's a real uh, you know that can ser- certainly become a very very important part of how they calibrate their regional policy so on taiwan it seems that tensions are not t- going to dissipate anytime soon and in fact it might become the fault line uh, that might generate more and more uh, tensions uh, not only in the Taiwan Straits, but I think the, in the wider indo pacific So not only America has to keep an eye out uh, you know on what is happening there, but I think countries like India should also be aware that this is one fault line that can escalate very fast because of the uh, you know uh, because of how uh, America, uh, Chinese have looked at the Taiwan issue and how they continue to emphasize on this issue as one of the main issues on which they, they can you know, probably do anything. Uh, And I think that is the concern, that these increasing number of incursions, that this increasing uh, belligerence uh, towards Taiwan underscores. And I think this is an important uh, fact, uh, something that has been going on now for a while. But as it escalates, perhaps it's important for all regional stakeholders uh, to keep an eye out for in terms of how it develops and what sort of, uh, you know, uh, externalities it generates because at the end of the day, this will have implications for US-China ch- relationship and if it has implications there, it will have implications for all sorts of other platforms, bilateral engagements, trilateral engagements that we are witnessing in the Indo-Pacific. So I think uh, for the Indo-Pacific, this is this can potentially become a very, very challenging issue.
0: But now China has gone all, all out and this was probably the you know record, the largest incursion by Beijing so far. And Beijing clearly is trying to step up military and political pressure for uh, on Taiwan to accept its sovereignty. Taiwan has been reacting but whatever reaction is coming out of Taiwan. Interestingly, Beijing is very upset even over the reactions and saying that some shrill noises are... Have- Coming out and the flies are humming, and from now, so you know, uh, you, Lyak, you very clearly stated that this is going to impact the China US relationship and uh, every other country in the region. But would we see any kind of reaction on what happened lately, the incursions that took place, uh, the Chinese uh, jets that flew over the area?
1: I think at the moment, uh, Americans uh, will continue with what they have been doing now uh, for the last few months, and in fact, for the last. Few- Two or three years, which is uh, it's strengthening their uh, security relationship with Taiwan, which which they are supposed to do under under their own law. And I think uh, in terms of statements like we have seen, for example, quote talking about it, or other by you know engagements uh, in the Indo-Pacific that they have. Uh, you know that they are, that they are involved in uh, all those sorts of engagements. Also, now increasingly focused on all kinds of issues, right? From South China Sea, East China Sea, and Taiwan Straits, has now become a one single continuum. That this is all part of this larger structural shift in the region. That America, that China, you know, that America and its partners uh, will have to be uh, somehow responding to. What is interesting is that I think at, 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 at some level. Uh, how other countries relate to it and and react to it. Because, you know, American position is relatively clear that they have a a law uh, as part of their domestic law. They have to help Taiwan in in, in terms of meeting its defense needs. But what are the responses of other countries going to be Uh, will also be an important marker in how Indo-Pacific's strategic evolution uh, shapes up. Because Taiwan has for long been an issue where major stakeholders have not spoken uh, either you know, and they have been very, very uh, co- uh, you know, covert about their engagement with Taiwan itself. So I think as you move forward and as this issue escalates, uh, it would be very interesting to see how other stakeholders react and uh, and relate this to the uh, to the to the to their relationship with the U.S. and how far U.S. sees this as an important aspect of its own bilateral engagement within individual countries, including like, you know, countries like India or Japan or, or Australia or ASEAN member states. So I think we are in on this question itself. Uh, uh, we are in for some interesting times and interesting conversations beginning to happen as you look at America strengthening its own approach towards the region, as well as uh, you know making it very clear that it, it intends to stay and work with its partners and allies. And if Taiwan is the one question that generates the most heat, then America's allies and partners really cannot be away from the switch. Uh,
0: absolutely. China has been also pointing out that it is uh, that the flights, um, you know, the incursions that are happening in the in the airspace is also targeting basically the the US and Taiwan uh, collusion as China calls it. But uh, America, and especially President Biden, um, is uh, in a lot of trouble and things are not really good for him after the Afghanistan withdrawal, which was criticized heavily, even within the country. Now, uh, look at what is happening uh, to his pet pet bills that he was very keen on getting passed and which were part of his uh, campaign promises. So the social spending plan and the infrastructure vote has been delayed. It has been stalled, though he's very keen to uh, get it through. But the spending bill that he's keen to get passed, which, according to him could actually restructure the country or get the economy uh, back on track is not happening anytime soon. The discussion has been stalled. It's getting dragged. Uh, and his ratings are falling. So, uh, and at the same time, the Democrats are keen to see this through. So how is it really uh, going to affect the domestic politics? His ratings are already low and now he's not able to actually, uh, you know, his pet projects he cannot see through.
1: I think these, these have been... Um difficult months for, for president biden uh, last few months uh, and uh, we have seen this slide um, ever since afghanistan fiasco uh, and now we are looking at the domestic political calculations you would recall langma we used to talk about this when mr biden had come to power that this is going to be the most important fault line for the for for the democrats this the centrists versus the progressives and exactly that has happened you know if you look at the, the, the infrastructure bill uh, that is so important from the perspective of the uh, from from what Mr. Biden says, the economic revival um, of of the U.S. post COVID. Uh, we are now looking at at uh, at uh, at this divide where the liberals uh, and the so-called progressives are pushing their own agenda, and they are saying unless you also, um, uh, you know, um, unless you link this with the three point five trillion, um, uh, you know, welfare and, and, and you know, and energy bill, a uh, climate change bill that they want to pass, uh, we are not going to help you on the infrastructure bill. Now, this is, I think, a very, very unique uh, situation for, for Mr. Biden to be in because here he is uh, with very slim majorities in both uh, the House and the Senate and his own party is not together uh, on, on, on this question. And he would he would have liked to see this bill pass. And we have seen uh, you know, this, this divide between the progressives and the, the centrists Becoming more and more uh, serious, uh, and in, on this question, of course, the progressives have now completely laid down the gauntlet, and they are not moving forward. They say they are not interested uh, unless something considerable is done. And you, in, you, you know, last week uh, we saw uh, Mr. Biden putting in a uh, lot of effort. You know, he himself went to the U.S. Congress. He himself reached out and tried to uh, get a deal done, but it could not happen. And I think uh, the challenge, therefore, for Mr. Biden is. How does he make sure that his, in, you know, that his developmental agenda does not stall? Uh, and this is always a slippery slope for slope for any president when when uh, his or her, um, uh, you know, poll uh, uh, numbers don't look so good. Yes. Uh, and I, then I think everyone wants to, uh, you know, uh, pitch in and, and make, make the most of, of of that vulnerability. And I think Mr. Biden is at that vulnerable moment when he is now being pushed from all sides. And it's not entirely evident, uh, you know, how he can manage it without giving in, uh, you know, on one uh, towards one side or the other. And once he gives in, then I think it all changes dramatically because then the, uh, you know, if he gives in to the to the, you know, to the demands of the progressives or to the centrists, I think then he would have made a choice, and that choice would reverberate across his next three years. So I think uh, this is a delicate moment for him, uh, coming uh, after Afghanistan. Uh, My own sense is that he will be politically vulnerable for some time now. And I think for him, it's important to push this right now because next year, uh, midterm elections, when the Republicans can come back, uh, when Republicans are hoping to come back, I think that would make him even more vulnerable. So uh, presidents and uh, and administrations generally have have a few months of honeymoon period. Mr.
0: You Biden's period ended very, very soon. So I think he's in for troubled times. Very soon. He, did, he hardly got it. Yes, his approval ratings have dropped and is politically vulnerable. Uh, the Afghanistan fiasco, of course, continues. And uh, recently, Harsh, at the U.S.-India Strategic Partnership Forum, we got to see uh, very clearly what is uh, India's stand on Afghanistan. Foreign Minister Jeshankar has stated it very clearly that the developments in Afghanistan are going to impact the entire region and all of us uh, in a big way. And uh, also very clear that we are in no hurry. India is in no hurry to recognize the government, which is not at all inclusive. Also pointing out that India was not really consulted or included uh, when the talks were taking place for the Doha deal. How how do you uh, analyze this? India stating it very clearly at the US-India Strategic Partnership Forum.
1: Uh, I thought that was an interesting conversation uh, because, uh, you know, uh, of course, uh, we have we had seen uh, uh, Prime Minister Modi uh, last month uh, in the General Assembly also stating uh, quite categorically as to what India would like to see happening in Afghanistan. So now there is, uh, you know, there is a certain, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the matrix of India's Afghan policy is becoming clearer. Uh, but I think what was what was important also for uh, for Foreign Affairs Minister to highlight um, uh, the uh, the fact that India, you know, actually had not been privy. To some aspects of the duha uh duha talks uh, and then Duha agreement and i think what it does is it, it, it also in a way uh lays down a marker for washington that look a lot of these problems uh are america's own problems that it, it's it's the, the way america dealt with afghanistan the way america dealt with its withdrawal uh, is something that uh you know that had not been very very uh uh you know uh, Thought through that have not been thought through properly, and the consequences are quite visible. So I think India was also in a subtle way sending that message uh, that you know we were not kept in the loop, and now that things are unraveling, it is important uh, for India and the US to work together. And I think that that was also part of what Dr. Jay Shankar said uh, that uh, you know that. There are differences on certain aspects, but I think by and large India and America are on the same page when it comes to two or three things like inclusive government, like the rights of women and minorities, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Afghanistan's territory not to be used against third countries uh, for for terrorism. And I think those challenges are not unique to India, but I think India embodies them in a way uh, that uh, because of the past experience. Uh, that it can articulate it much more cogently and much more uh, explicitly than say several other countries and so that by by, by doing that uh, i think india has made it uh, India had made two points one uh, that uh, america's recent decisions including the doha talks and the doha agreement and then the precipitous withdrawal uh, have actually uh, you know uh, led to some of these challenges that we are facing and also the fact that india is willing to work with the us where their interests converge in afghanistan and as we saw uh, when Mr. Biden, uh, when Mr. Biden uh, welcomed Mr. Modi, uh, both you know both in the bilater- bilateral statement as well as in the Quad statement, Afghanistan was mentioned. So I think we are moving to a point where US-India divergence exists on certain issues, but the convergences on Afghanistan are being used to frame policy responses at this particular juncture.
0: Right. Uh, you know we almost. Uh, uh, Done with time for this week, but I would uh, some of the questions the viewers have sent in, and a quick comment from you on the uh, prospective leadership change in Philippines because the Philippine president uh, has allow, uh, announced that he would not be running for the elections next year, but that paves the way for his daughter. Uh, you know, uh, what uh, uh, how significant is that his announcement that Duterte would not be in the race? And uh, one question, if I would add, Akshay Pandit has uh, sent a question about the credibility of UNGA eroding because of episodes like Myanmar and Afghanistan, representatives were not allowed to address the UNGA is UN victim of petty politics of P5s. So if we have time very quickly, Harsh, if you could comment on that. Well, I think,
1: you know, uh, uh, on 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 uh, uh, Philippines, uh, it is, you know, it's very difficult to say, Mr, uh, you know, the the Philippines, uh, Filipino president, uh, is known uh, for taking U-turns, so it's very po- it's very much possible that tomorrow he'll, he'll uh, wake up and say no, no, I want to run. But I think at this stage, what makes this interesting is that he has been in power now uh, for six years. He'll be in power uh, next year uh, for six years, and uh, and I think what he seems to be understanding is that it's uh, it's not worth dismantling the institutional inf- you know architecture of of uh, Filipino constitution for his personal gains, especially if he can gain. Uh, in, you know, in ways, uh, you know, either through his daughter or through some, some other uh, person that he can control. So I think we will have to see how this drama unfolds. But what makes uh, the 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 present president uh, in Philippines interesting and important is that he has moved back and forth between US and China when he came to power he was extremely pro-China and now suddenly in the last few years we have seen him moving or gradually balancing it out and Philippines is a very very crucial state in the Indo-Pacific for the Americans given their security arrangements with the Philippines and given that Philippines uh, potentially is, is also a swing state in the ASEAN framework so I think both China and the US will be watching this very carefully uh, on the on the other uh, uh, question of uh, of UNGA, mm-hmm. I think UNGA or United Nations platforms have always been political platforms. They, you know, uh, to expect them uh, to rise above petty politics uh, is not something that you know uh, uh, serious uh, students of IR or, or, or serious uh, observers should do because they are political instruments uh, that are used by uh, individual nation states for their own for their own purposes. Mm-hmm. So all issues are played out like that. Both in the UN Security Council as as well as in the UN General Assembly. But the question here, which I think uh, Ashok is asking, uh, is very very important. That if you have two issues like Myanmar and Afghanistan, which are actually not being addressed by a body like UN General Assembly or United Nations in in, in more general sense, then what is the validity of Afghanistan? It is not a very it, it is not a, it is a question that Indian Prime Minister also asks. That what are you doing when, when, they are, when there are so many fires raging in the world? What is the response of the UN? It has been very, very underwhelming. So I think that question is a very, very important question for UN's own credibility. Uh, but I think petty politics, politics of any kind, this is inherent in the way UN is set up.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Harsha, for those comments. So that's it from us on this episode of the Idreas Factory. Do send in your questions. We shall see you next week. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Policy Pod, the ORF podcast. Please subscribe to our channel for updates on upcoming episodes.